Are we getting off into la-la land? I'm really enjoying myself here. Me too. I don't want this to be over. Well, welcome back to Living and Learning. I'm Reba McIntyre. You know, I love getting to talk to some of my favorite people about the things that really matter to me, the kind of stuff that you only get when you sit down with a friend and really get the chance to catch up. It's almost like, Trisha, every time you and I get back together, we just kind of pick up where we left off. That's true. That's the kind of conversations I love. And that's why I love doing this show so much, because... It makes me slow down, connect with with you, with people, and talk about what's going on, whether it's in my life, your life, or just in the world in general. Having these conversations really gets into the heart of things, and that's what this show is all, all about. It's called Living and Learning, and I'm really delighted that you decided to come on and be my guest today. Now, all you listeners, you guys know her as an iconic Grammy, CMA. ACM award-winning singer, an actress, a chef, the host of her own Emmy-winning cooking show, Trisha's Southern Kitchen, which I've been on, had so much fun, and thank you very much for sending all that food home with me. So good. (laughs) And of course, the author of several best-selling cookbooks, including Trisha's Kitchen, Easy Comfort Food for Friends and Family, which it just came out September. So get out there and grab yourself a copy. And I just want to say to everybody out there, the Trisha that you know, you know, this the big star and up on stage is the same Trisha I've known for years. She's the same person you see on stage, off stage, and in the grocery store. That's what I love for about you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Trisha Yearwood. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I want to introduce you. I could say the same exact things about you. Our experience with each other is a little different because when I met you, I was wanting to be a singer in this town and you were Reba already <laughs> and and your larger than life and your kindness to me, not only as a up and coming artist, but just as a person. You you've been a mentor to so many of us on how to be, you know, and how to treat other people and how to how to work in this business. And I'm just proud to call you friend. And you know, deciding to join you. I was like, you just call. I mean, you know, I've told you I'll come mow your yard. Like I'm your girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When did we meet? I remember after an ACM show, we were at the after party and I sat down with you and your mom. Yeah. We met. Was that, would that be it? The first time that, that might be the first time we met. The first time that, well, I met you once that you won't remember because I was standing in line to get your autograph. You wouldn't remember that. But um, <laughs> you were, that time you were um, you were at a record shop um, back when they were record shops in the 80s. And um, I had just moved to town and I saw that you were signing autographs. And so I went out there and stood in line. I'd never done that before in my life. Yeah. So much so that when I got to the table where you were sitting, I, the amateur, you know, I had nothing to sign. I mean, I was just like, no idea. And you were so sweet. You were like, you had these little black and white flyers that had your name on them that you were going to be at the record shop. And you said, I'll sign one of these for you. And I'm like, great. And you're like, well, what's your name, honey? And I'm like, it's Patricia. Um, and so, so you were so kind to me. And I, I, I understand to a degree now being on the other side of the table, what it feels like when somebody can't speak. I feel so much sympathy for them, my empathy, because I've been there. Then my very first CMAs that I was on, um, I didn't meet you that day, but you sent me flowers. And I know that you have 
famously, a lot of us chick singers talk about the Reba Flowers because you walk in that dressing room, you don't know anybody, you feel intimidated, you think everybody's not going to like you, and there's a big bouquet of flowers in the corner. Of course, I thought they were for my mom and dad. <laughs> and when I walked over <laughs> and they were for Reba McIntyre, I was like, oh my gosh. So I think you extended the hand of friendship, you know, long before we met. And and I would, I just want the world to know that that you are absolutely what you think. People people love you because they're like, I just feel like we could be friends. And the truth is, that's exactly who you are. Oh, you are so sweet. Talking about flowers, do you remember the time when I meant to be texting or emailing Trisha McClanahan, who worked for me at the time, to send Faith Hill flowers for her birthday? <laughs> and you te- you emailed me back and said, well, uh, I guess I can figure it out. I hadn't done that in a while, but or something like that. And I thought, oh, my God, I was hysterical. You just went right along with it. Well, you know, I mean, I can still do it for you if you need me to. <laughs> You're just the same all the time. You've dealt with so many things in your life. We're very similar. You know, we get married, we get a divorce, and now we're happy. And how do you deal with all the changes? Just roll with it or what? I mean, I think you do. I mean, I think you and I both were raised by parents who kept us grounded, who really told us mm-hmm. who we who we were, who we are. Yeah. And that stays yeah. with you. Long after your parents are gone, there's a there's a my mom and dad kind of looking over my shoulder all the time. And I always say I don't always do the right thing, but I know what the right thing is because of how I was raised. And I think you and I have that in common. And it's like I was kind of raised in the South in a community where you didn't want to ever disappoint anybody. You want everybody to be happy. And then at some point in your life, you learn, okay, people might not agree with every decision I make. And I'm going to people going to say bad things about me or good things about me. That can't be what determines who I am and how I behave and how I respond. And you just kind of, yeah. you just kind of move on. And being, a, being an artist and an entertainer, you know, no matter what's going on right before you walk on stage, no matter if you've just gotten the divorce papers or you've just heard that someone's passed or, you know, whatever's going on, your job is to go out there and entertain. So I think we're good at compartmentalizing because we have to and, you yeah. know, kind of kind of doing what you need to do in the moment. And then you can have your private time to deal with the, the private stuff. But but, all right, before we go any further, how about this uh, secret talent you have of impersonating me? (laughs) Well, I mean, you're not the only person. Not so secret. I've seen it. (laughs) Who do you like to impersonate the best? I want to hear that. Um, I I do a really good Winona, and I do a pretty good share. Winona is, uh, I want to walk to no particular destination. I'm mean, pretty good. I'm oh better gosh. after a glass Are, of wine. I'm better at wine. <laughs> the, the impersonations come out better when I'm drinking. <laughs> Let me hear Cher. Um, if I could turn back time. I mean, oh these are gosh. just, this is just my first cup of coffee, Reba. I could You are really good at that. <laughs> wow, if this singing and cooking thing don't work out for you, you know you could go to Vegas and be an impersonator. Well, next time you do your <laughs> Vegas show, call me. I'll come out. <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect. Oh, that's too cute. Reinventing yourself. All right, we had a topic of that on our first season of the podcast and reinventing yourself is something I like to do because I, mom always said I had the attention span of a two-year-old. Why did you get into all the things that you've done past singing? 
your cooking and furniture and there are people who have inspired me to to not think you only have to do one thing and you're one you're one of those people you know Dolly Parton's one of those people like just like if you can dream it you can do it kind of thing and I always knew since I was a little girl that I wanted to sing but I always just I don't know where this crazy I'm not I feel like I'm an insecure person but I must have some kind of crazy confidence that I can do stuff because I'm, I'm not afraid to try anything. And when I moved to Oklahoma to to be with Garth and, and before we married and I cut my tour dates way down and I was sitting there going to soccer games and trying to figure out, you know, he retired, but I didn't. So what, what am I going to yeah. do? And yeah. I, I went to New York to do a, a meeting about writing an autobiography. I took the meeting to be nice. I didn't want to write an autobiography. I was, I was 40. I was like, I'm never going to tell the stories people want to hear. You know, I'm not going to write this, but I don't want to do this. And I'm sitting in a publisher meeting and they said, well, what would you want to write about? Because we think that people would be interested. And I said, well, I like to cook. And they immediately looked disappointed. They were like, well, celebrity cookbooks, you know, people don't, if you don't really cook, I'm like, no, but I really cook. Like I really do. And um, so I left there with a cookbook deal. I don't even know. I mean, it, it was a totally off the cuff comment. I called my mama and my sister and I said, um, I just volunteered us to write a cookbook. We're going to have to get that done. <laughs> so it, it came out of something off the cuff, but also that I really enjoy doing. And I never, I never dreamed it would turn into what it has turned into. But it's been such a blessing for me because um, I'll always make music, you know, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not 25 anymore, you know, and so I want to find things to do that I enjoy. And I, and I do enjoy it. And I probably like you, I just don't say yes to anything that I don't think I will really enjoy. And it's, that's when things are successful. When you put yourself into something that that you really in, enjoy doing, then you have the most chance for it to, to work. So that success in cooking and the TV show turned into all these other opportunities in the lifestyle that I, and I say no to a lot of stuff, but I just say yes to the mm -hmm. things that I think I'll, I'll enjoy doing. Yeah, because that's your time. And when you take your time to do something, you better love it. Exactly. That's what people said to me about do another Broadway play after I got through doing Annie Get Your Gun. Would you do another Broadway play? I said, I'd love to, but it's got to be something that I'm even more passionate about than I was about Annie Oakley because that's the hardest work I ever did. And it's not fair to the audience and the people buying the product or watching you if you don't absolutely love it. I'm not that good of an actress to <laughs> fake it. Well, I saw you and Annie get your gun. You were uh, amazing. I agree with you, though. I mean, I've not done Broadway, but that's no joke. That's a lot of work, and you're not doing it for the money. <laughs> mm -mm. And you're 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 there every single day and matinees and singing. I mean, it, I can't imagine. So yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's like you gotta you better you better love it because it's going to be hard work. And I and again, I mean, I know, I feel like this is the Reba McIntyre, I'm your fan show, but watching the way you, your work, your work ethic is really inspiring because it's like, you're great. I mean, you're a great singer, you're a great actor, you. you're a great entrepreneur, but you're also a really hard worker. The The secret is work. And when you don't want to work anymore, just work harder. That's really the secret. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, when we got into singing, Pake Susie and myself, Daddy, would be talking to people and I'd hear him talk about losing his best three hired hands on the ranch to music. <laughs> and and we all look at each other like, we're no dummies. Singing's a lot easier than going out there at four o'clock in the morning trying to find horses to saddle up in a 40-acre pasture. Did you have any idea 
that your life would take the path it did when you were young? Did you dream of this? I definitely did. My first memory of like telling people I was going to do this, I was about five years old. And I think I told people I was going to be Cher, I think. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure I did. Well, you're part there. Because <laughs> I was watching this Sonny and Cher show and you know, all that. I just saw it. If you can be a visionary, I saw myself on stage. I saw myself on the Grand Ole Opry and I didn't have a backup plan. You know, I, I, I finished college here in Nashville because I wanted to get to Nashville. I mean, that was my, yeah. my, my getting to Belmont was not a plan to work in some, in the industry in some other way. It was like, I got to get to that town and this is how I'm going to do it. So for me, there just wasn't an option. And I grew up on a farm, a 30 acre farm. We had cows that you'd have to go out and find. They, they decide to have their calves at two o'clock in the morning in the, in the ice, you know, or whatever. Yeah. We had a, we had a big garden and my parents both had real jobs too. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely in a place where nobody that I knew was doing that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a local bar, you know, there was no place to do this. So it was a big dream and a crazy dream, but I just always believed, well, I'm listening to people on the radio and somebody's got to do it. Why, why can't I be one of those people? Trisha, you know that in our business, the most important thing to do to be successful and to maintain a career in the music business is to find songs. How does it feel to look back on 30 years since She's in Love with the Boy came out? Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, have any idea how big that song would become? To me, it was the perfect match. How did, how did you find it? I mean, I, I remember going to listen to songs with my producer, Garth Fundus, in his little office. And we were listening to a bunch of stuff. And he he said, I got this song. And he had this drawer full of cassettes of things that he, uh-huh. um, you know, just kept. And he's like, I got this song, but I, I, he, he was producing Don Williams. He's like, this is for a girl, but I, I, I don't know. I want to play it for you. It's been around town a while. Everybody's kind of passed on it. And uh, he played it for wow. me. And it, it wasn't it wasn't like I sat there and went, this is a hit. First of all, I'd not made a record, so I had no idea what a hit was. I knew what I liked. You know, I knew what, so I, I still don't know what a hit is. I just know the songs I like, but I liked it. I, I just thought it was a great story. You know, I love it. You know, country music at its best to me is a, is a great story song. And I loved the story of nobody being good enough for daddy's little girl. And you could put yourself in, depending on where you were in your life, you could put yourself in that song. You could be the girl who I definitely had boys that my dad would not let me go out with. I, you know, that, and I thought he ruined my life, but he really saved my life, of course. And then, and then, <laughs> you know, I've been the parent who's now had girls that, you know, you're like, you are not going, this is not happening. You know, so, yeah. so you can yeah. put yourself in every, every position. And so we just love, we just like the song. I don't need, and, you know, there are people now who will say, um, oh, I knew that. We knew that was a hit. I'm like, mm, but you didn't really know. Like, we just, we did put it out really? thinking. <laughs> yeah, did you really know that the first <laughs> single was going to be hopefully a good introduction to Trisha Yearwood and we would go from there? Um, yeah. And I think, wow. you know, you're lucky to have a song like that in your career to be able to to sing every night and have people respond the way they do and and have, you know, now girls who weren't born when that song came out who know it you know they must have just had good parents I'm sure you see that at your shows and I had a moment at first I'm entering into that you know I'm about to be 57 and I'm entering into that mode of like letting go of the fact that I'm not 25 anymore and embracing Mm. 
these young girls, when it used to, when a young girl would come up and go, oh, oh I, I grew up on your music. I listened to you since I was five. I would just be like, oh, God, I, don't, I just don't want to hear that. I don't want to be. Oh, well, I get a lot of this. I get a lot of, my grandmother loves you. Well, well I get that too. Well, I get that too. You. I get that too. And you're like, that's great. But I think, that's I, wonderful. I think it's what, what's, what's cool now is to kind of, segue into that mode of like especially some of these younger artists who did grow up on our music in the 90s um to be able to be their friend and kind of tell them what it's like I mean I know I know that you know you're not that you and I are not that different in age um no but I but I feel like I grew up behind you because you were so far ahead of me in the music industry and so it's it, you have been a mentor, you know, to me. So it's kind of I'm kind of trying to put myself in that mode. Honestly, when when I when I realized it was the 30th anniversary, I almost didn't want to tell anybody. I was like, <laughs> if we tell everybody it's the 30th anniversary, she's love board, they're going to know how old I am. But then I just got over it. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm proud of it. I think it's a testimony to a really good song. It was written by a guy named John M's out of Colorado, and I oh, think yeah, it's he's uh, great. you know it's just a a good song stands the test of time. Well, it sure does. It's the most listened to country song on the radio by a female artist in history. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's it's crazy. absolutely wonderful. That's crazy. Oh, and speaking of, you've got a new acoustic recording. It's available on your Every Girl Deluxe Edition album. It's out right now, right? Yeah, we we decided to uh, to re-release. We, we released Every Girl kind of right before the pandemic happened, and we decided to re-release it just a digital version and add a couple of things. And Garth and I had recorded Shallow during the whole times a fan request thing. We decided to put that on there too and and, a, and another bonus track. It was cool to go back in and, re, and record it again after all this time and kind of, you know, people want to hear the song the way they originally heard it. So we didn't do anything radical to it, but we did do it just an acoustic version. And not only with your cooking have you diversified from music, but your pet collection. The the backpack you gave Riddler, Rex and my uh, French Bulldog, we use it every day. I love that. How'd you get into that? Well, in Oklahoma especially, we lived on the end of a road that was had a big curve and everybody... Everybody dumped their like couches there. You know, there was like a place everybody got to dump their stuff, and a lot of animals, a lot of dogs. You know, and so I became sort of the unofficial rescuer in in our in our little town, and adopted out a bunch of dogs, kept a bunch of dogs, and I got to uh -huh. be really good friends with the vet there, and he helped me a lot. And and ever since I was a kid, we always you know every dog we ever got was one that wandered up or we saw you know walking down the highway or whatever. So I've kind of always done it, and I wanted to do something after thirty years and other all these careers. I tasked my team with the next thing we do, I wanted to find a way for it to give back. It's it's wonderful to be successful on this, but we got to find a way. What is our path to give back? And yeah. animals are my, you know, dogs especially, but animals, dogs and cats are my thing. And so um, this TY Pet Line was really created to to eventually give to to shelters and to rescue and all that. And so we just launched something called Dottie's Yard. I had a dog, an Oklahoma dog, who was the best stray ever, and she uh, she was the the rescuer. I, I would come home and she'd have another dog at the house. I'm like, she would vet oh. them and decide if they were okay and they could stay. And so it's called <laughs> Donnie's Yard. And we just gave our first money to the um, Humphreys County, uh, the Waverly floods to the um, to the rescue there to help with with them. And it just feels good. It's like we're um, we're creating things for people and their pets that I want for my own animals. I want. 
you know, mm. really, I want really good dog beds where the covers, go, everything goes in the washing machine. I want, you know, all the things that I want for these dogs is my dogs live and they have to be wiped down about every day after going outside and, and running around the farm. So they, yeah. they, we need the wipes, all those things, you know, so it, it came out of, again, something that I really am passionate about. And I'm really excited about it because of, of the opportunity that we're going to have to hopefully Educate people on spaying and neutering and also educate people on adopting, uh, and you know, from a shelter if you can. Okay, I got to ask you a question on the hot spots. Do your dogs get hot spots? Allergic reactions on their back, around their neck, anywhere? I haven't had these. My current dogs don't, but I've had dogs that, that did. And, you know, we used to always get this stuff from the vet that you sprayed on them to keep them from licking the hot spots. We have a, a balm, like it's almost like, it looks like lip balm for a person, but it's a lavender balm that I put on any rough place on them, like on their feet or on their elbows. Mm-hmm. And it keep so far it's kept them from getting anything, um, keeps everything kind of soft. But yeah, the hot spot is definitely a thing. And I, I think it happens a lot in the summer. And I think some animals don't get them. And I think some do. Yeah. Shelby's dog, Watson, he, he's a corgi. He gets it. And then Riddler was getting them real bad. And so when I took him to the vet, he was saying, wipe his paws off really well, wipe him down when he comes in off the grass, especially if it's in the morning on the dew. You've ever heard of that? So I wipe I him down every time he comes in. I, I didn't know that. That's good to know. Maybe I need to do that on my dog. See, I just learned something from you. You need to have your own pet Well, thank either. you. Or be a consultant <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, he comes in and he'll stand real still for me and I wipe all his little paws. One time I picked up his back leg and he... He wasn't prepared for that, and he kind of fell over, so we all had a big laugh about that. At his expense, he didn't think it was funny at all, but I did. He's a character. French Bulldogs, they're they are clowns. They're so funny. I just love them. My dogs like, um, they like skunks, and they like any kind oh, gosh. of poop. You know, that's their thing. So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, they have to be inside-outside dogs, and Garth has a much more... He's Garth is a dogs ought to be outside person, and I'm a dogs ought to be on the other pillow person. So we've had to kind of compromise. (laughs) So they have dog beds that, as long as they're on their beds, they can be inside. But when they have when they have skunk or anything else, you know, it's like, well, you're going to be outside for a couple of days. (laughs) Okay, so what do you do about uh, when they do get in with a skunk? What what? How do you get that smell off? I mean, I have finally, and I've told my, I've told my folks the next thing we're developing is a skunk shampoo. (laughs) Um, Perfect, but because we really do need one, but. What I have learned is when a dog gets sprayed by a skunk, the first thing you want to do is wash them. And, the, and if you put water on them, it, it makes all that skunk smell go in to the hair follicle. So don't oh. put water on them. Put baking soda on them, and that'll pull that out. And then you wash them. Okay. But I'll do that, and then I'll take them to the vet, too, and just say, can you do your skunk thing on my dogs because they've been sprayed? Oh. But they always, and I've heard stuff. I used to use tomato juice on a dog. That that Yeah. That just gets. That didn't work. That just gets tomato juice everywhere. It doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, enough about our animals that we love so much. Hey, do you remember when we were in uh, Washington, D.C. for, I think it was Loretta, at the Kennedy Center Honors, and we went to lunch? I do. Um, That was so much fun. I'll never forget you or Garth once saying that Garth's favorite color is blue and everything in the house in Oklahoma was blue when you first got there. How's Garth doing? And I'm wearing blue right now. He's good. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's funny. It's funny because I do love blue, but when I went out there, he had moved into this little cowboy bunkhouse on this property. He was going to build a house. 
and which we ended up doing, but we lived in that bunkhouse for four years and it was little, you know, I mean, it was a 1200 square foot house and not unlike how I grew up, but he had decorated it. He did it. And so the carpet was blue. The couches were blue. The curtains were blue. The towels were blue. The bed sheets were blue. The dishes were blue. I mean, I I had never seen anything like it in my whole life. The boy likes blue. <laughs> so when we built our house, we kept telling people, don't don't show her anything blue. She hates blue. I'm like, no, I don't hate blue. I just don't think everything should be blue. But he's good. He's oh, good. my gosh. <laughs> He is a care. He adores you. I know that much. Well, I adore him. Are you still playing poker? Yes, we are. I know. I keep saying I'm going to come over and play poker with you. I know. We, we 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 do have to do that. I mean, you know, this whole crazy pandemic thing has got us all sitting at home by ourselves, but we definitely need to do that. I didn't know how to play poker at all until we did the video, your video. Oh, my own? Uh, yes. I'll be dang. Anybody who's seen that, we, we're sitting around and, and you had to give me a quick poker lesson. So you're, it's your fault. And we don't play for money. We just play for fun. But Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we started playing, Rex and I started playing, well, Rex had been doing it before, but he let me join in, uh, a group of people and they do it uh, online, Texas Hold'em. Oh, yeah. I love Texas Hold'em. It was fun. I'm, I'm learning how to play it. So it's fun. We also, somebody gave us those, um, those virtual reality things. Those things, you know, that go in your head. Have you seen those? Have you seen one of these? Yes. So yes. there's a poker game. You can go on virtual reality and you can play poker. And we have a couple of friends in Oklahoma that we used to play poker with all the time. And so they yeah. got these Oculus. We go on and play poker in a private room and you can talk to each other and see each other's little avatars. It's like you're sitting at the table together. I've got to get that. And you can play Texas Hold'em anywhere, anybody. Okay, don't tell Rex. I'm going to get that for him for his birthday. Okay. <laughs> I think he'll Perfect. love it. <laughs> Speaking of cooking, I, I got to tell you this. When I was in college, and I might have already told you because it's my famous cooking story. My roommate, Brenda Lee from Kiowa, Oklahoma, taught me how to cook a chicken, fry a chicken. And I burned up two chickens before I got it right. I did not know this So, story. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm getting better. And Rex and I just love to cook. But you have a new one, a new cookbook that just came out called Trisha's Kitchen, Easy Comfort Food for Friends and Family. Now, I know what comfort food means to me. What does it mean to you? It's a bunch of stuff. Sometimes it's something that you might think is, I used to think it was just decadent food, like macaroni and cheese and things that you don't need to eat every single day. But I think what it really Biscuits is. Biscuits and gravy. It's what, yeah, whatever brings you comfort, you know. And so for me, a lot of times it's just something that my mom used to make or my dad, my dad was a good mm. cook too. Or it is something like if it's raining outside in a cold day, you just want some kind of hearty soup. I mean, so it's different for oh. everybody and it's different every day. I take pride in the fact that I am not a chef, although I, I do want to go to culinary school someday in my spare time. <laughs> Because I'd love oh, to learn. Really? All the, I'd love to learn all the things that I don't know. Because I, I'll, I'll watch these chefs talk about using some spice that's inspired from some different country in the world. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I just use salt and pepper and maybe a little garlic powder if I'm getting crazy. <laughs> but I also like that most people who don't think they can cook can make these recipes because they're not hard. They're they're basic home cooking, like my like my mom and dad did. What I think is that you and Rex should come over sometime for dinner, but we'll cook together. Because that's the best way I to kind of 
that's and it's fun. You know, usually when somebody comes over to my house, it's like, how, how can I help people? Everybody, you know, we always want to help when you go to somebody's house when they're cooking dinner. So uh-huh. that's what we should do is that you come over and we'll pick something to cook and then you can go home and make it. Y'all can make it together. Perfect. Okay. So what's your favorite recipe from the book? Because I want to cook it myself and that way I can kind of get into it. What do you think your favorite? One of my favorite things I'm making right now a lot, I kind of go through phases where I'll make you know, the same thing right now. It's a, it's a chicken pot pie burger. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if you like chicken Shoot pot me. pie, but it's like all the oh things. Oh my that, gosh. You saute the vegetables that go in a burger. Then you put it in ground chicken and you cook the chicken burger. And then you make the gravy that goes over the burger is basically the gravy that would be in the chicken pot pie. It's pretty amazing. And I, it, wow. you serve it on a bun, but I recently made it. And once the cookbook's done, I still keep developing the recipe. I'm like, what if I uh-huh. made a giant biscuit for it instead of a bun? Ooh, so That's not in the book, but I did do that last time. And it, it's a good idea. Just FYI. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to, we're going to pick something and I'll, uh, Rex and I'll come over and we'll cook it together. That sounds yes. like a lot of fun. It does. Now does Garth cook? He does. Will he get in there with us? Oh yeah. Okay, good. All right. He definitely will. He's a whatever it takes guy. He will. All four of yeah. us. Okay, good deal. Done deal. Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be right back with more. All right, now, I thought we could play a fun little food-based game since you're the queen of kitchen and Uh I'm the queen of making reservations. (laughs) It's called, (laughs) the game is called Trisha Yearwood or wouldn't. Okay, so <laughs> okay. I'm going to go through a list of exotic, weird, or just plain out there foods, and you and I will both say if we year would or wouldn't eat them. Okay? okay? All right. All right. Let me hear what you would say about snake soup. Uh, wouldn't. Year wouldn't. Mm-mm. I have eaten snake, though. Uh-uh. Ew. I've eaten crocodile. Yeah, I have too had snake. <laughs> kind of tasted I, I... like chicken. You did. Kind of greasy chicken. Wouldn't do it again. Yeah, greasy chicken. No, didn't care. Okay, Rocky Mountain Oysters. I wouldn't. I have all my life. We I, just called I them Mountain you, Oysters. I figured you, you, you would say I mean, yes. That was just a staple. It was just like uh, going and getting stuff out of the garden. We just harvested them down at the pens. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. No. Okay, Spam. Yeah, wood. Yeah, wood. I have. Wood. Yeah. Wood, yeah. wood. 100-year-old egg. I'm going to say no. That'll be a hard year wouldn't pass on that. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on that, too. Okay, escargot? Um, no, I'm I'm basic. I've eaten it. I love it. Do I you? I love it. Oh, I just, okay, mm-mm. okay, here's a here's a given. Chips and sour cream. Oh, favorite snack. Year would all I day love long. It. Oh, all day long. <laughs> okay, here's one that I didn't even know what it was, so they had to give me an explanation. Uh, Marmite. Um. Year would isn't it like, isn't it like? Am I? I'm going to sound like really stupid, but I don't really know. Is it peanut butter? No, that's Vegemite. It's made from. It's oh, <laughs> it's a mite. <laughs> it's in the mite family. <laughs> Home cook. Home cook. Not a chef. Write that down. What is marmite? Okay. Well, it's made from yeast is it extract. A <laughs> it's a byproduct of brewing beer. Marmite. Or Vegemite, what you said, as it's known in Australia, is essentially the slurry from the bottom of the barrel that most breweries just throw away. It's a sticky brown paste with a concentrated salty flavor that's usually spread on toast or eaten with cheese. People are either love it or hate it. Would you try it? I mean, 
I would try it. Yeah. If it's sweet, I'd try anything. I would try it. Okay. All right. Have you ever heard of um, Eskimo? E-S-C-A-M-O-L? Eskimo? No. It's also known as insect caviar. Big old no. Oh, yeah. Don't even. You, well, I mean, you can tell me how yeah. it's made, but I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> I'm not either. It's harvested from the tequila or the mezcal, mezcal plant. It's considered something of a delicacy, kind of have the consistency of cottage cheese and a buttery, nutty taste. All right, but here's the weirdest. Uh-oh. Wasp cracker. No. Yeah, you guessed it. It's a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a biscuit filled with wasps. Thick chocolate chip cookies, only the insects replace the chalky chips, the chocolate chips. Apparently, the digger wasp, which the biscuit contains, has a pretty mean sting. I wish you luck on trying this out. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think I'd. Pre- no. I don't. No, peanut butter and cheddar cheese. Oh yeah, yes. You, you, I must have. You know that that's one of my snacks. That's one of my go tos. Love it. I love it. Love, love it. it together. What's the weirdest thing you think you've had to to eat that people would think is weird, or that you would have thought I I don't know I've never eaten this before, and and tried that you liked? What's the weirdest thing I've ever eaten? Well, you know, we lived on a working cattle ranch, so we butchered our own beef. And so when we'd get to the bottom of the deep freeze, the freezer, that would have the brain and the tongue, kidneys, all that kind of stuff. Well, I would make myself disappear because, you know, back on the ranch, if you didn't finish your meal, you got it the next meal or you sat there at the table until you finished it. But yeah, tongue and brains was one thing I just couldn't put enough ketchup on. Yeah, same. I couldn't do it either. We we butchered our own beef as well. Um I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. But my mother would let me have. <laughs> she if if they were having that, she would let me have Vienna sausages out of a can. Now I'm thinking in my head now, you would. I would eat something out of a can. I didn't even know it was in it, but I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't eat what they had harvested and killed them and packaged themselves. But I would eat. Uh-huh. And I just thought it was the best thing. I got to eat Vienna sausages that night. I was just so excited about it. That's embarrassing to tell, but that's the truth. Well, we would get up in the hills uh, gathering cattle all day or or building fence or something. When it came time for lunch, Daddy would have uh, canned sardines or, as he called them, Vaini sausages and saltine crackers and a big gallon jug of water, which had been sitting in the truck for about three hours. And so that's what we had for lunch. And I love Vienna sausages. We have so much in common, great. I do. We do. I love them. <laughs> but that's, uh, I mean, Rex will eat everything. I mean, he's been to all over the world eating monkey brains and stuff that I can't even pronounce. So I don't know. Well, Garth is still the oaky, so he doesn't try much, much new stuff. I got to keep it pretty basic for him. <laughs> well, thank you, girlfriend, for being here with me today on my little episode of uh, Living and Learning on my podcast. I'm really having a good time doing this. I'm I'm learning some things, and, and but the best part is, is getting to visit with friends, and I uh, love you with all my heart, and let's get together soon and cook up some really good food, sit around, and then play poker. That sounds good. This is this. It feels like a conversation, and it's always good to talk to you. And and uh, not just saying it for the podcast, but we are going to do that dinner, and we're we keep talking about it, and we're going to absolutely do it, absolutely. And uh, just congrats on everything. I'll send you some dates. Okay, please do. Thank you to you Thanks. too. I love you with all my heart. I love you too. Bye bye.
Well, thanks for listening to Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre, a Spotify original production. Our lead producer is Dylan Rupert with producer Baron Farmer. Our executive producers are Gina Delvac, Yossi Solik, Danny Trebatch, and Justin McIntosh. Editing by Cheryl Crosby. Original music by Doug Sizemore. Special thanks to Leah Edwards, Robert Adler, Casey Simonson, and Kyla Canero. I'm your host, Reba McIntyre. Follow us only on Spotify. Spotify.